Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers' information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific needs. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started today. We can become great at doing the, the things that we do well, the things that are, we focus on. Like I'm, I think our audience is great at selling liberty. I think we have yeah. been amazing at doing that. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. You start to ask questions that pique his interest and get him to feel like, okay, this guy's actually got something that maybe can help me out. And then in your asking of questions and trying to uncover the real problems, build that natural trust. I know I went in the monologue there, man. <laughs> Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Well, happy Wednesday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. And thank you for joining us on a little bit different of a Wednesday episode. Yes, we're going to go ahead and have one of our throwback episodes today. But before we get started, if you didn't get the chance, make sure you head over to yesterday's episode. We have our good friend Caleb Franz who joined the program and showed you why you should be the role model you wish you had. But with that being said, looking at today's program, we are heading back to 2019, a conversation with good friend Hillary Andaluz Aguilar discussing the tragedy that was taking place in Venezuela, and sadly, a conversation that we really haven't had since 2019, so a great chance for us to make sure we bring this a very important topic back to top of mind. So, with that being said, on to the show, Hillary Andaluz Aguilar here on today's throwback episode of The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Brian. I really appreciate it. It's been a while since I have talked to you. I know. It's been good, so long. Good old times. Good old times. <laughs> but uh, but yes, we, we went to college together and, and obviously we got to know each other. You from Venezuela, me from the uh, United States. So yeah, give, give us some, uh, some background about who you are and then uh, I guess your experience growing up in Venezuela. Okay. So I was, as I said, born in Venezuela in Barquisimeto, which is the fourth largest city. It's four hours away from the capital, which is Caracas. I did high school there and I started university at UCLA, which is not the same as UCLA here. It's UCLA, a public university back home, really good. And once I started university, I spent, what is it, two years there? And then I moved to the, to the U.S. back in 2011. So I started in Elmira. I did my undergrad there and I am currently in Indiana. I am attending Purdue University. And I'm pursuing a PhD in chemistry, and my research focuses on proteomics and early cancer detection. 
So that's a little bit about me. I've been here for eight years now. And you came, like you said, to America in, in 2011. And that was pretty much like at that sweet spot in Venezuela where things weren't, uh, I guess, from a, a, an American perspective. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. Things didn't look that bad from our perspective. Yes, things didn't look as bad as um, they are right now. However, by then, by 2011, Chavez was in the still in the power. He was still alive, and it was like 12 years of of his regime. So, it, from the outside, probably people here and in other countries couldn't see how bad it was. But for us, it was pretty bad. And I actually ended up coming to the U.S., escaping that situation. I couldn't wow. attend. Yeah, I had to escape from that. And, and I remember telling my mom, like, well, I like, I, I was here a couple of times. And I was like, I like the U.S., but I love Venezuela. I don't want to leave. I can't leave. I can't leave my family and everything behind. I went to college and everything, but I, I actually had to leave. Like because I was escaping a situation with the regime. So hey, let me ask. I, I, I say I don't mean yeah. to interrupt. I'm just I'm I'm fascinated mm -hmm. because everything that we've been told in America and what you see on the mainstream mm -hmm. media and, and on the news every night is that things were okay. Things were actually thriving up until um, Hugo Chavez passed away and then Maduro took over, and that's when things got bad. But you're saying basically no. 2011, like two years before um, Chavez basically passed yes. away. Mm -hmm. um, Things were still pretty bad. What was no, really life? Bad. Yeah. yeah, what was like life like? I mean, what was bad about Venezuela from I mean, you obviously living there versus what we were told. So, well, when Chavez came into the power, it was 1999, so I was 8 years old, so I barely lived the era of the other governments. So, all I know is as I said, there's the Chavez regime, which has which was or which is actually um a communist regime. It's a dictatorship. So we started seeing that inflation, that massive inflation going up. Of course, we sit on the highest oil resource. So Venezuela was a rich country. So they, it took them a while to just, you know, that, that to take all that money away. And, and how can I put it this way? Like, how can I say it to make it seem as bad as it is today to the international mm. community? But back in Venezuela, it was a big division between like Chavez was expropriating, he expropriated like a lot of um, companies like phone companies. And even my dad lost his job because of the Chavez regime. They took away wow. his job. Um, part of my mom's job was taken by him and she's in the private practice. She's an accountant. So things were starting to look bad ever. I think it was 2002 when all the oil prices started falling. And then we started experiencing the highest, like the massive inflation. It wasn't the hyperinflation, but it was the massive inflation. And by, and then by 2007, Chavez cut, um, how can I say this? He took five zeros out of our currency because of the inflation. So back in 2011, things were horrible because I remember going to college. I graduated high school in security and the streets were awful. You, we were, um, Back in 2007, as I said, the inflation was massive and people were just protesting in the streets because they wanted the Chavez regime to go out. And he even was forced to leave. There was another government for like two days and he came back. So there's a lot of history in between. And growing, uh, growing up in that turmoil was definitely, it was just a tragedy. Still, mm -hmm. people were able to survive. Still, you know, the salary 
um, more or less, you could do something with the salary. So like a salary right now, which is, is only able to buy you two eggs. But, but I'm saying it was a continuous, wow. you know, degradation. It, I don't know how to explain it, but it was a continuous degradation since, ever since it took the power in 1999. By 2011, it was already 12 years of his, you know, uh, of his, um, time being. And then, it was, it's just a dictatorship responsible for countless human right um, abuses, definitely. Right. A lot of political prisoners were disabled, exiled, or banned from running. Um, so there was a lot of injustices back in like all the National Assembly and everything. That was before Maduro came into power, which turned everything worse. And I like to say it's not that he turned everything worse. I think it's just the product of that ideal that Chavez set in it set in Venezuela. Hey, what's up, folks? It's Brian Nichols here in The Brian Nichols Show. If you're a listener of The Brian Nichols Show, then you know that I'm a huge workout junkie, right? But working out and lifting weights is just half of living a healthy lifestyle. What you put in your body is just as important as your workout, which is why I only eat meats from ButcherBox. ButcherBox delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage-breed pork directly to your door. Think of them like your neighborhood butcher for modern America. And let me tell you, their meats are phenomenal. Juicy chicken breasts, tender filet, flavorful sirloin tips, ButcherBox makes it easy for you to get the highest quality meat delivered right to your door. And right now, listeners of The Brian Nichols Show can get three pounds of free-range organic chicken wings free for life. Free shipping and a discount on your order. Yeah, you read that right. Free wings for life. Click the link or email me at brian at briannicholsshow.com to receive your exclusive promo code to take advantage of this amazing promotion. Great meats, free chicken wings for life, delivered right to your door. I mean, what more could you want? And this is actually fascinating to me because obviously back when we were in college, it's no secret, I was very involved in politics and I still am very involved in politics, but I don't think during the time that we were together on campus, we actually ever sat down and talked about politics. I don't think you and I actually had a conversation about politics. So it's fascinating for me to to hear you speak to this because it's it's no secret that in 2019, ideas and concepts around communism and socialism, they're discussed as these you know, these, these visions of utopia almost. And everybody's talking like, well, we just got to do socialism and communism right. And I mean, here you are, Hillary, you grew up under this communist socialist dictatorship and you got to experience the fruits of this system. And it, in, in many cases, the lack thereof of just, you know, like you mentioned, people quite literally losing your jobs to the government, hyperinflation, people not being able to eat. I mean, you mentioned paying an entire mm-hmm. paycheck for two eggs. I guess, if if you could, because you've lived it, tell us your experience living under these these communist and social socialist regimes. Obviously, starting back with uh, with Chavez, and then we'll we'll just start discuss uh, Maduro. Okay, so back when Chavez, as I said, came to power, I was eight years old. Um, things started to get worse, as I said, two thousand and two and two thousand and three. Two thousand and three, mm-hmm. when um, oil prices. Uh, I'm trying to remember all of that because I was pretty young, but our oil prices started started dropping. And since all our economy depended on the uh, on the oil and Chavez, the mismanagement and corruption with the Chavez mm-hmm. government was massive. Um, there was no gas in the streets. I remember we couldn't put gas in our cars. And I remember my mom and I um, going into this like two hour away places and do a, doing a line of like overnight just to get our our, our tank. <laughs> Um, yeah, wow. yeah, just to get the tank on, on our car. And I'm talking about 
I was 10, 12 years old and experiencing this and seeing this as a normal thing because I haven't, by then I, I was not like, oh yeah, I've been to the US and I've been to this other countries. I didn't know any better. So I thought that was just, you know, normal, you know, not being- You didn't know anything before. else. I didn't, I didn't know anything else. I didn't know any better. And I remember that episode lasted for a while um, of, you know, we have the highest oil research and how does it make any sense for me to go with my mom at midnight to this place two mm-hmm. hours away to get my car, like- full of gas. It didn't make any sense. It started with that. Then the education started breaking up. And with that being a lot of professors started, you know, um, flying away from the country. Like they didn't want to be there because the government basically didn't pay them. So a lot of the universities started like shutting down classes and you had protests. And while universities did that, like schools did that as well. I remember not having classes for a good period of time when I was in elementary school. Hmm. And then when I got into UCLA, which is a public school back in 2009, I got there for med school. And I wanted to say it's a very good university. I remember when I got in, they were like, yeah, you got in, but you're not going to be able to start med school till 2011. And I asked, but but yeah, I was like, I don't understand. Why am I not able to start? And they're like, well, students are protesting and they're like behind a couple semesters or lacking some of the professors because they're like striking and, you know, hunger strikes, you know, people protesting because of, you know, not having equipment, not being paid a good salary. Um, university lacked a lot of the, you know, facilities. So back then it, it was, it was horrible. It was a lot of, of things happening. And I remember seeing, saying like, I'm not going to just spend two years doing nothing. So I started learning English and I remember seeking an opportunity with somebody in Caracas, which is the capital to try to leave the country because I was like, I don't think I'm going to go anywhere with this. And (laughs) yeah, I was like, I need to go somewhere else. I need to learn English. I need to do something. So I learned English. I took the, you know, the SAT and the TOEFL by then I remember but then I still, I was still scared of just leaving the country. So, um, instead of med school, I went to and through another route, which is, um, agro-industrial engineering, since they had, they were starting a little earlier. And I was like, well, if anything, it's the same university. I'll just transfer to med school later. And when I started, they stopped the classes. People protested like on a daily basis. There was lack of everything, like classrooms didn't have chairs, didn't have enough tables, professors didn't go. I'm telling you that in my car, I had a little bag with vinegar, with um, a little like towel, just in case they would pour pour bombs, because that was normal. They would go in, pour bombs as a sign of protest, and you have to like literally exit the university, go into your car or whatever. And I would put the vinegar on my mouth with a little towel just to breathe and be able to get out of there. That happened a couple of times. And after that, I was like, it's, it's enough. You know, I definitely want to grow up in a country where I had a freedom of speech. Cause if you were talking bad about the bad about the government, I mean, of course, um, they would do something to you. So I had to leave. I, I remember telling my mom, I think I want to leave and seek better opportunities like outside the country. And by then mm-hmm. I remember my dad was like, well, it's not that bad. I think it's going to get better. And I was like, I don't think it's going to get any better. Like I'm experiencing it. I can barely go to the university. So I did two years, barely two years in which I approved not even two semesters, a semester and a half in two years. So and- that tells you how, you know, 
how bad were the protests and how it was not the education was not continuous. And 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 obviously, then you you come to the United States to yes, pursue education. I, And then in 20, so here you have like this two year window, we'll say, where you start Mm -hmm. coming to America for for continuing your education and just seeing things at home continue to devolve. And obviously it goes up until March of 2013, where um, at the time it was Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez. He passes away from uh, cancer after this 14 year long rule. And I mean, obviously he was he was proclaimed as like this visionary for 21st century socialism. And then. Um, afterwards, you have his vice president, who's Nicolas Maduro, taking office. So yes. let's go from 2011 to you're moving to the United States and then watching up till 2013 when uh, when Maduro eventually takes over. What was life like in Venezuela in that time frame? Horrible. I think it turned out worse than it was when I grew up. As I said, a lot of division before Maduro, a lot of division between who had like the people, the poor people, let's put it this way. Um, he created a lot of resentment between the masses, you know, like the poor people should be angry at the people who, who had more, who had education and was professional. And then with Maduro, all of that just accentuated. So we saw a lot of, um, that part, like stronger, as I said, mm-hmm. in, in, yeah, in the society. And what was worse is that back when I lived in Venezuela, I remember even though, there was a huge, you know, there's a lot of corruption and everything. I mean, I could still go to a pharmacy and get Tylenol, you know, ibuprofen, just those are basics, you know, and go to a bakery and get bread and go to a supermarket and mm-hmm. get food, you know, regular food. Right. Um, back with Maduro, things starting, like started getting worse and worse because there was basically no, no goods, you know, no medicine. So I remember my family call, started like calling me. Because can you find this medicine in the U.S. or can you come with Tylenol? Can you come with toilet paper? And I was like, how, I don't get it. You know, like, how, how is this happening? How is this going to getting to this point? You know, so when I lived here, I remember after Chavez died, I thought things were going to get better because I was like, okay, the dictatorship, it's over. It's over. Not re- and it's over. And that's when we did the, the presidential elections between Maduro and Enrique Capriles, which was back in 2013. So we won the elections, actually. And then Maduro took over, even though we won the elections. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the first part of the protests began, which was, yeah, back in 2013, 2014, massive protests. There's a deaths of hundreds of students, hunger strikes. I remember I was back in Elmira. And I was like, wow, a lot of my friends were still living back home. And one of them actually got shot in his head. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Yes. One of my close friends got shot in his head. And I was in Elmira and I didn't know what to do. I couldn't go back home. I I, I couldn't do anything. And all of this massive protest and you see all of these deaths and all of these people just claiming for democracy because obviously uh, the elections were stolen from us. And then back in... 2015, when the national, the parliamentary elections, we won 60% of the national um, assembly, the national constituent assembly mm-hmm. in December 2015. Um, and then there were more massive protests because Maduro, since we won most of it, the opposition, which is our party, he established a new constitutional assembly who was basically handpicked by him <laughs> instead of elected legitimately. So he came in and he was like, eh, I don't like it. I really don't like that. 
all of these people are, you know, 60% are the opposition leaders. So I'm just going to create my own house and my own parliament. So that's what he did. And wow. again, all this massive protest after the fraud elections started again. So there's been a lot of, you know, blood, a lot of like killings, a lot of people being affected by all of these. And back, back home, of course, my family was terrified. All of these protests sometimes were held very close to my neighborhood or at my neighborhood. And I remember not being able to communicate with my family because there was no internet and them being scared. And when I was able to communicate with them, I could hear literally the shootings outside and they're all being scared, like literally almost underneath their bed, like we can talk right now or something. And I was terrified. My grandpa still lives there, you know, my family, my parents mostly. So it's awful. And then me having to, it used to be the opposite, right? Like I lived there. And when I came here, my parents helped me with, you know, the money and everything. Of course, right. um, I, I got a scholarship and all of that. But then it was the total opposite. It was me sending money to them because, you know, salary wasn't enough. Medicines, mm-hmm. they couldn't find medicines. My dad suffers from the heart. My my grandpa has prostate and heart issues. So he needs to continuously have like this medicine. So I had to look through the medicines through Colombia, for instance, because here you need a prescription and the prescriptions were in Spanish. I tried here and it was hard for me to get them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was at that point where I had to like basically send them money and still I have to do it, send them the medicines because they, it, it was barely, it, it was impossible. And between all of that and the pro- protestings, I was scared pretty much all day because I was like, uh, one of these days my parents are going to get killed just because somebody's going to shoot in the air and just mm-hmm. like millions of other people have died. You know, this is going to happen to my parents. So I lived terrified when wow. this protestings began after presidential elections and then after the uh, establishment of that new constitutional assembly created by Maduro, which was prior to the presidential elections in 2018. Wow. I, it's, it's fascinating and, and, and tragic at the same time to, to hear this because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm going to be very honest with you, Hillary. I don't think anybody in America really heard the story pre-2013 of what was happening in Venezuela because... We were all under the impression, I mean, and we see people like Michael Moore or Jeremy Corbyn over in the United Kingdom who were who singing the praises of Hugo Chavez saying, look at Venezuela. This is what your socialist utopia can look like. I mean, look at all the people who are being taken care of. But you're saying basically from you living it, that's not the case at all. It's the exact opposite. No, that's not the case at all. And I see a lot of people here. Well, well, Hugo Chavez was great. And Hugo Chavez and his ideals, I'm like, you didn't live through that era. And you didn't live through it. So it, it's really, it doesn't, it's, it's just not fair to talk about mm-hmm. it without experiencing it. It's not an utopia. Definitely his ideals. He created, as I said, a lot of resentment between classes. So if you were well educated and your family was well off or middle class, you know, um, he created a lot of resentment towards those people because those people didn't deserve the amount of money they had. And he created that resentment that the poor should have, you know, the same as, as us, but not because of working hard, but because we have to take it away from them. So a lot of his speeches were like, just let's exp- like let's take this company and let's take this other one. He took a- away a lot of companies from people that, you know, that work with, with that for their entire life. And there's mm-hmm. a, a lot of people that died in hunger strikes just claiming for that to get back to them. 
Does it scare- you know, like those, those farmers, the farmers and people that I saw because I lived through that era were like dying, like, please give me back my farm. This is my whole life. This, this has been my family's business for, I don't know, 50, 80, a hundred years. And you're going to take it away from me because you just want to, because you're going to make it better. And in the end, he, it didn't make it better. Like, as you see the results after 20 years, it never made it better. It's just a lot of resentment. Not to mention a lot of the political prisoners, not to mention a lot of the abuses. As I said, once he, uh, like all of the, the five zeros that I told you he took out from like the, our, our. From the currency or the debt yeah, or whatever. From the currency. Mm-hmm. And now he took it and then Maduro took two more. So it's like seven zeros. And that didn't happen after when Maduro was in power. No, that happened 20, um, 2007. So wow. I'm talking about like years back that this has been happening for a while and this ideology and everything that Maduro and all of it right now is a product of all of this Chavez favoring just, well, I'm not even going to say favoring, but just giving the, he established a lot of programs for, yeah, poor people, but he, he those programs were, were a fraud too. He meant to graduate people from med school in two years. I don't think that's fair for people that actually go through the med school process in for like five or six years. I don't know if you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying. No, but 100%. Those, yeah, those programs were fraud. He tried to, you know, oh, yeah, you can be like those rich people or well-educated people. So I'm going to give you the same, but you're going to graduate in two years. So, so that ba- resentment. The quality is what you're saying went down. The quality was awful. Yeah, mm-hmm. the quality. They were not good professionals. So, so he tried to create it engineers and, you know, medical, you know, MDs in two year programs. And it didn't work for people. <laughs> and of course, it didn't work like people <laughs> that didn't go to school ever. So he tried to favor like, I mean, not really favor, but you know what I'm saying? That those that that part of the he was a populist. Right. That's, trying, that's to what make, trying, to do. Yeah. trying to make these programs essentially saying. Look at what everybody else has. You should have that too. So I'm going to make it that it's a right and we're just going to give it to you. But the problem is once it becomes, so I'm not sure if you ever watched the movie, The Incredibles. It's the Pixar movie that came out and there's one. Okay. So there's one line where the bad guy syndrome goes, uh, he's making like, so the premise behind the movie is that syndrome is this kid that got picked on by Mr. Incredible and he ends up like he wants to become a superhero. So he, he gets really smart and he makes all these, you know, crazy gadgets and makes, he said, he can give these to anybody and they bec- become super superheroes. And one of the mm-hmm. iconic quotes is because when everybody's super, nobody is. So essentially it's almost the exact same thing that you experience only from an educational standpoint saying when everybody is super educated and I'm using super educated very, very lightly, but once yeah. everybody becomes educated, the reality is that that really doesn't have much weight because the quality of the education isn't worth as much, but also the fact that, there are so many people out there that it, it really hurts the market because now the the good doctors and the people who work their way through the process, they aren't as valued on the market because now, you know, the, the average Joe can become a doctor without any of the exact same, you know, education or the, the lab time or what have you. Yes, correct. That's exactly what happened with his like, you know, programs as he called them back then, back then. So these programs were just a fraud. He spent a lot of the money there, not to mention he, he, as I said, he, he took a lot of the public, um, the, yeah, the jobs and everything. My, my dad is living proof of that. 
that he had his own private, you know, he, he's a businessman. He has his own private, um, he rented some equipment for, um, yeah, he rents some equipment and then literally the government took that away from him because wow. he was like, Oh, you're not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do it. I'm going to have my people do it because my company is the one that's going to like now do all of these events all around Venezuela, which are called, which are called like, um, fairs, like national fairs. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So I got to ask this question because I, I just think it's very curious. You know, obviously you growing up in Venezuela and experiencing the socialist and communist society that it was and, and unfortunately still is. And then coming to America and then starting in 2015, really, I think that's when we really started to notice it. But you mm-hmm. have this this festering notion amongst especially people in our, our age group, in the, the millennial group, who they look at this idea of socialism and they say it's democratic socialism. They say, hey, you know, this seems like a good idea. I mean, you have people like Bernie Sanders or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who are running on the idea of, I mean, like you were even mentioning right now, we're seeing this today creating this disparity between the rich and the poor saying, look at what th- these people have. We should have that too. Do, do you get a little nervous when you see that same rhetoric coming to America? Yes, definitely. I get not a little, I get very nervous because um, I don't know if it's, I'm wrong maybe, but I just see again, you know, the same speech that Hugo Chavez gave, back when he was elected. Like, I, I hmm. remember hearing that all over again. We're going to create, we're going to be, we're going to, like, make everyone equal and we're going to, like, everyone should have the same. And, yeah, it just got on my nerves because I'm like, maybe you've never experienced it. But in my case, maybe, of course, our case is a lot of, it's it's a dictatorship and it's a communism. Mm-hmm. But it, get, it gets on my nerves. It gets me pretty nervous because I'm like, Please don't. Please don't do it. Please don't. <laughs> well, I'm like, please don't. Please don't. I'm not an expert in politics, but I, all I can tell you is that we suffer a lot, and that's the reason why I'm here, and I'm eternally grateful. But in the mm-hmm. first place, I, I didn't want to leave my country. I didn't want to leave what I knew. I didn't want to leave my parents, my food, my traditions, my culture, my everything. You know, I had my life set there, and here, well, I have to. I had to start from zero. Like back in. Elmira, they didn't validate my two years of engineering. They didn't have, even have engineering. So I had to start all over again and see what I liked. That's how I came up with chemistry, which, as I said, I'm extremely grateful and I'm happy. But seeing that disparity right now that I can eat three meals a day and then I look, look back at the people home, even my own parents, even my own family that can barely afford to have, you know, a regular meal or that can afford to eat tuna. Which is something that here we take from Ben, you know, kind of tuna is what? 60, it's, 60 cents, 70 cents? Yeah. Exactly. Back home, it's like, that's, uh, I heard it the other day, it's like, oh, that only the rich people eat tuna, like canned tuna. I'm <laughs> like, this is, this is ridiculous. You know, people don't, uh, don't understand, like, how, how bad it worked for us. I'm not saying it's gonna mm-hmm. work bad for everyone else, but I'm just saying, like, as of now, you see hospitals with no beds, you see cancer patients, dying in the street and like protesting and saying please like give us a treatment give us give i haven't been able to have chemotherapy in years or in months because of this regime there's you know the, if, if you see the news it's 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 upsetting it's it's a tragedy a tragedy and i've been able to take my family like out of that because thank god i'm here and i you know have a stipend which is not too much because i'm still doing my phd but i can help them but how about all those families that haven't been able to escape exactly. from that. Yep. You know, I'm privileged because I'm here and I, and I 
you know, I went out of Venezuela, I think early enough, I want to say, but I have a lot of friends that haven't had the same luck. It's so sad. It is pretty sad. Like treatments, I've been able to buy the treatments for my dad and for my grandpa and for my family. But how about all those other people? I've had experiences of friends that have lost their their loved ones because of that. My grandma's sister died because of that. She couldn't find the um, her treatment stuff. We tried to look for them, and suddenly she passed away. The, it, you know, health doesn't wait. You know, you can't wait on that. Or like the, the you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's just very hard and sad. It, and that's part of the reason that I wanted to have you on, Hillary. Because so in I my audience, I'm saying this. This is all redundant for them, but my show. So it's part of what's called the We Are Libertarians Network. And the idea of a libertarian really, if you were to break it down, is is to not hurt people and not take people's stuff and to build a society where free markets, um, ingenuity, uh, peace, tolerance, those are all ideals that are embraced. And and really, again, it comes down to the idea of not hurting someone else and not taking somebody else's, you know, their stuff, not taking their their um, labor, not taking their, their money, mm-hmm. not taking away from their personal affects. And it's one thing for me to to basically go and you know scream until I'm blue in the face about how dangerous socialism and communism is, but at the end of the day, I'm just another white guy who grew up in America privileged, and I like I, I don't know what I'm talking about. But to have you who you you literally you grew up and you experienced it, you they, that 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 um that label can't be used against you. You can't be identified as you know this this privileged group in America who they just they just don't know what it's like because they're they're you know the the well to do and whatnot. Like you've actually lived it. You've seen how terrible it is. And it's sad because a lot of people nowadays in America who embrace this populist socialist message, they go out of their way to silence voices like like myself, like you, because what you're saying is against what they're being told. And it's it's scary because what we're promoting and especially what you're promoting because of your experience is stop. This is so dangerous and it's going to lead down a very scary path. And we're already kind of seeing it happened before our eyes definitely definitely and um mostly what i hear people saying is like oh what's happening is that u.s baku and i think you've heard it there's it's everywhere on social media i'm like what is happening in venezuela it's not a u.s baku come on at this point i feel it's not even a fight between left or right or ideologies but i have to say this is a product of that imminent left ideas of those imminent left ideas see what i'm saying but this is a product but as of now it has converted into a humanitarian crisis it's literally the fight of most if not all venezuelans to democratically get rid of a dictatorship this is what we're seeking and it can't get any worse ryan literally it can't get any worse because what i'm telling you is nothing compared to what we actually experience and what my family has experienced and my friends and people that I know, it's not the country, you know, even when I left 2011, it's not the country that I left. I went there last year and it's upsetting. It looks like a war zone. I went there August, 2018. I had to go there. I, I don't stop going there because my family's still there. And I, I, you know, I, I still go and, it's like a war zone. People eating from trash cans, oh, like gosh. drinking. And I'm not telling you from rural areas and, you know, every country has poverty. No, no. I'm telling you that this is on every single area. People eating from trash cans, like drinking water from the sewage. Um, 
markets not having anything, long lines to get a piece of bread. And they, I, I experienced it. You, you go and buy food and you need to have this, you know, your ID. And if your ID ends in this number, then you're able to go this day of the week. And if it ends in one, it's on Mondays. If it ends on two, it's on Tuesdays, for example. Like, that's not life. And then when you go there, it's whatever they have. Maybe, and they, they literally, they tell you what to take. Oh, you can only take one toothpaste and one toilet paper and one piece of bread. My mom went, and I, I was there. That was back in August. She went there to buy um, some medicines. And they were like, no, we, we can only sell you like this little. And my mom was like, well, this is for a treatment. And they're like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, we can only sell you this. And there's no, not even ibuprofen, as I said, acetaminophen. There's nothing. It, it's just <laughs> pretty upsetting how, how bad it is. I, I was there. I experienced that every year I go to Venezuela and it's, it just gets worse. The supermarkets are completely empty. They just sell one or two things and you have to do a, make a big line and pay this ridiculously high prices that nobody's able to afford. So people are just, you know, going to, to malls or anywhere and grabbing any leftovers from the garbage cans because only the people that are in the government have money. Everyone else is just starving to death. It's wow. It, it's um, it's heartbreaking. It's actually hard for me to even think about what to say after that because I mean, it's it's just this isn't what we've been told in America. Like it's it's almost like discovering that there's an entire truth that has been hidden from you this entire time and it's almost like it's intentionally hidden it's it's i don't know it's very eye-opening for myself and i'm sure it's gonna be very eye-opening for my audience um but i mean with that it's it's amazing we're already at the point where we're getting ready to wrap up the show but i think if we could end the show on this note it's if you could hillary to the millennials of 2019 who have this embrace of this democratic socialism in america what warning or what advice would you give to them going forward into the 2020 elections and then, I guess, forward here in America? Whew, that's, a <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough one. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Because there's, uh, I've heard, and I'm not a specialist, that if socialism is applied the right way, I don't know which one is the right way. It's always the right way, right? (laughs) It's always the right, yeah, the right way, then it could lead to great things. I always have to say that in my experience, um, be careful. Be careful with Mm -hmm. um, the leaders you choose. Be careful with the ideals you you want for your country. Just be careful and look yourself, look at other countries, look at us. Look at other countries like Nicaragua, who's mm. like experiencing a similar situation. And look how, at how everything started with a leader that portrayed himself as socialist, that everything's going to be good, a populist that promised a lot of things. And in the end, none of it happened because Chavez at the beginning, he won the elections very clean and by a massive amount of votes. But by saying the wrong things, like the things that mm-hmm. he was going to promise and everything, and he did not. So I was, I'm just going to be very careful with this, but just just be cautious. Be cautious and think twice before stating that, you know, the socialism or the, yeah, stating that, that that's a good idea. It's I'm so hard. It's so hard it because... Is, it's hard because I don't want to, like, you know say something that's politically wrong but in my experience well it ended 
it ended this way. And other countries like Cuba, you know, as I said, Nicaragua, look at them, you know, mm-hmm. and look at how it started. Just look at the history. It, I think the important thing, too, is that people have to look at the uh, the outcomes versus the intentions. So it's great to, to go into a situation with all the, the very positive, lofty intentions, but you really have to look and see what was the outcome, what actually happened. Um, and like you said, look at look at Venezuela for a p- perfect example. I mean, last week I had uh, Lily Tang Williams on. She grew up under Mao's uh, communist regime in China um, and, and her experience growing up under Mao's China. It's just it's it's really eye opening. And I think it's very important for people to to hear. I don't care if they're they're Democrat, Republican, libertarian, socialist. I don't care. Like just to hear what is really happening, like get rid of the media filter, get rid of social media filter, like just, just the raw truth of this is what is happening. This is what's, you know, you've experienced, not just in your own family, but you're seeing it across the entire nation. So, I mean, folks, if, if you can please share today's episode, obviously with your friends and family, I think it's very, very important for them to hear Hillary's message. Um, but with that Hillary, at the end of the show, let's, let's, um, end the show on a positive note, shall we? A little yes. uplifting. Yes, um, yes, yes. <laughs> So one thing I like to do at the end of the show, um, and I've been doing this as of late, is to get a fun fact from my guests. So to close out the show, Hillary Andaluz Aguilar, if you could, uh, a fun fact about you. And then um, if if people are interested in learning more about um, Venezuela or just learning more about you or maybe social media links, uh, where can they go ahead and find you? Okay. Um, fun fact about me. That's a little, um, I have a couple of them. I don't know if this is a fun fact. But I love dancing. I love, I, I like, I dance flamenco. I dance merengue. I dance salsa. And, you know, I'm just a natural Latina. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's like, you know, I, I know every time I say that here, everyone's really like happy. Oh my God, show me how to dance. And I'm, I, I love to, you know, show people how to dance. And I dance flamenco professionally. So I don't know if that's a fun fact that counts. Oh, it, it 100% counts. That's, if, 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 correct me if not I'm everyone wrong, dances. Come on, Brian. Not everyone dances flamenco. That's so true. I think that's it. Now, just say, I, I, and if I remember correctly, so Elmira's a unique college and it has three terms. I think mm-hmm. during term three, you did the ballroom dancing, didn't you? Yes, yes, I, yes, mm-hmm. I did. Yes, I did with Henry. Yes. There you go. That's right. And it, it, it was absolutely phenomenal because you two actually knew how to dance and everybody just sat there and, you know, mouths agape in an awe of your your very fluid movements so yes, yes <laughs> no, it's it was all, great it's a very fun fact um and i'm not sure if you wanted to share uh like where, where can folks go ahead and find you if they're interested in learning more about venezuela or just uh, interested in following your happenings um there's a couple of, of um instagram and facebook links okay I don't know if I can send those to you or something and Absolutely. my social media yeah and yeah. my social media my instagram is Hilary Andalus, Hillary Andalus, just my full mm-hmm. name. Same with my Facebook. I post a lot of the news, but I think there are other web pages, web pages and and links that I can send you later, so you can Perfect. put them when you put this po- podcast, so people can help. Actually, there's a lot of um other other places where people can help people that are feeding oh, the poor and the elder because of this war thing and the you know the U.S. trying to come in and all of that going on. There's a lot of um, people claiming for help and people starving as usual. You know, it sounds pretty bad, but yes, it is as usual. And but at least there's places to help. At least we have exactly yeah, there's yes. places to help. And I would like, I would love to give you a couple of links. Yep, absolutely. Maybe donate something. It would be great for the community back home. I do that 
every every time that I can for feeding the elder, feeding the children, feeding the people back in the streets. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up our conversation with Hillary Andaluz Aguilar, our throwback episode to February, February, March 2019. Yeah, February 2019. There we go. Uh, a great conversation. So thank you, Hillary, for uh, that classic conversation. And folks, if you enjoyed this episode, please do me a solid. Make sure you go ahead and give it a share. And when you do, make sure you go ahead and tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to have a solo short with yours truly or with our good friend, Chris Goizetta, make sure you hit that subscribe button so uh, the surprise is just as surprising as it will be for you as it will be for me. So with that being said, thank you for joining us on today's special throwback episode. It's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Hillary Andalus Aguilar. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Trust the experts. We're all in this together. If it saves one life. Raise your hand if you heard any of those tiresome phrases over the past year and a half. I know my hand is currently raised. Millions of people across dozens of industries were labeled unessential and forced to lock down with livelihoods and futures crushed in an instant. And as government has continued to expand its power and leverage fear to turn neighbor against neighbor, a group of filmmakers have taken a stand and are determined to help set the record straight on the importance of following the actual science of the pandemic. Follow the Science on Lockdowns and Liberty from the Sound Mind Creative Group is a brand new docu-series highlighting the stories of those negatively impacted over the past year and a half by ineffective government policies enacted in the name of following the science. With noted experts like Nick Hudson from Panda, the pandemic data and analytics organization, healthcare policy advisors like Scott Atlas, and telling stories of business owners, families, and just your average everyday person harmed by these government mandates, follow the science on Lockdowns and Liberty is giving us a chance to make sure the true stories of the pandemic are told. So please help us at The Brian Nichols Show in supporting the Sound Mind Creative Group. With noted figures in the Liberty Movement like Dr. Tom Woods donating thousands of their own dollars to this project, you know just how important this project is. So head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science to donate and catch their brand new trailer to the docuseries one more time. That's briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science.